Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. What's up, everybody? Man, what a fun episode with Ryan Pineda. What a freaking badass. Uh, what an incredible entrepreneurial story. This guy has gone from analog to digital. Now he's got this amazing digital presence. But the guy is just like, like I mean, one of the coolest entrepreneurial stories I've heard in a long time. Young guy, just out there setting the world on fire. If you want to hear a really cool entrepreneurial story and someone that's really figured out how do you take that into the digital world after really being in the analog world, the guy's bought and owns over 500 houses, uh, rental units, excuse me, and really has just done it on in, in ways that's hard to explain. Stay tuned. Hope you enjoy the episode. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatest Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have a special guest. My man, Ryan Pineda, is in the house. What's up, Ryan? What's up, Darius? Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to see you too, my brother. Hey, man, do you mind if I do a little bit of housekeeping and then we're going to go jam into the show? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's Let's do it. So for audience members who are new to the show, we're about two things. Well, people are living their passions and those are creating greatness in the world and doing so despite the odds. And my man Ryan here is neither short of passion nor greatness. So um, I was telling Ryan before the show, I said, man, you know, uh, I've, I've seen you all around. You're all over social. You got some great TikToks. You're all over the podcast world. I mean, you're, you're definitely like a you have a face that that's not not too hard to miss, right? <laughs> and, and 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 you're good at promoting it. But yeah, your your face is your brand. You got an interesting haircut. Like I was like, who's this guy? And I started checking you out, and and so it's just been casually following along. I had a lot of friends in the real estate space, a lot of friends in the digital space, and so uh, yeah, I had my team hit up, hit up Ryan. I said, hey, I want to get him on the show. He's creating a lot of greatness in the world, and uh, man. So pumped to have you here. So pumped to hear about all the great greatness you've been building over the years. Um, if you don't mind, I'd love to kind of give your formal bio. And then, dude, here at the Greatness Machine, we're all about origin stories. I'd love to dive into your origin story. Does that work for you, my brother? I love it, dude. You know, it's funny. I keep hearing the word greatness. And we just had our um, event WealthCon. And Lewis House was the uh, keynote. And so, obviously, he's got the school of greatness. And uh, it's just funny coincidences dude, lewis house man like that, that that boy's got some greatness in him yeah i, mean, I love greatness you know because I, I i'll tell you what the, the 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 nexus of this show was i was at this point in my life about i don't know 
12 years ago where I had been like, you know, just grinding to, to build these businesses. And I built some pretty big businesses. And I wasn't happy. And I ended up doing this one event. It was a TEDx event in San Francisco called TEDx Golden Gate Park. And I talked about it on the first episode of the show. And I said, I'm doing something that has nothing to do with making money. Just about people that have done cool shit. And I'll just talk about how they did it. And we, we, it was called the, In the Pursuit of Passion. And we had all these crazy people come and talk. And so eventually, 10 years later, I was like, man, I want to turn that into a podcast. And so here we are, man, talking about the different greatnesses people create. And it's been a cool journey and getting to meet folks like yourself that are doing cool things. They're like, I can't think of a better way to spend time as far as I'm concerned. So what do you think about that, man? What do you think is, is your driving force? I'm going to jump into a question and then I'm going to give you a bio. What do you <laughs> okay. think is your driving force to create greatness? Like what makes you like really fired up to do it you know it's interesting man um i mean i'll i'll be talking about my bio here soon but uh basically anything i've ever wanted to do in my life i've always been of like hey we're either going to be the best and be great or we're not doing it at all there's literally no in between with me and i've actually thought about answering this question a lot of like man like where does that come from right and i think there's a whole bunch of things that come with purpose and, you know, I'm sure we'll dive into that. Like uh, purpose is definitely um, a huge driver for everything you do. Um, and I, I just think that as long as the purpose exceeds the cost of being great, um, you will do it. And there's a lot of cost to becoming great in anything, you know, but if your purpose is big enough, you'll achieve it. I love it, man. I love it. Purpose-driven entrepreneurs, man, make the world go round. So um, my man here is a serial founder and entrepreneur, six successful seven and eight-figure businesses, which is, that's no small feat as we see here on The Greatness Machine. He's on a mission to help people become wealthy without sacrificing everything to do it, which is a very noble mission. I love that. He's flipped over 500 homes and currently owns over 550 rental units. Host of the Wealthy Way podcast, super, super famous, popular podcast out there, and author of the wealthy way. And we're going to be talking about his real estate deals and all the cool things he's done as well as his new business, Pineda Media. So I'm super pumped to have you here, my man. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we love origin stories. Ryan, I'd love if you took us back. I know you didn't just snap your fingers and end up here. I want to hear some of the backstory. So tell us a little bit about your back- backstory, bro. Yeah, man. So I never thought I'd be an entrepreneur, to be truthful. Um, all I ever wanted to do is play baseball. And uh, I was actually doing that pretty well. You know, I you know, started in little league and did pretty good and then went to high school and, you know, was on varsity my freshman year and then got a full ride scholarship, um, ended up becoming an, uh, an all American, uh, Cal state Northridge. And then I got drafted by the Oakland A's in 2010 as a junior. And so that was all I ever wanted to do was just play baseball. And, you know, unfortunately a lot of people don't know this, but in baseball, you got to go through the minor leagues. It's not like you just, go straight to the show when you're making millions of bucks. Um, and back then when I was in the minors, I feel like I'm old now saying this, but like back then we made $7,000 a year in the minors. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, bro. So I, I was not balling even though I was a professional athlete. And so, yeah. you know, I had to go get a job really, but I couldn't get a job because I I was leaving for six months out of the year to play baseball. And so I was forced into entrepreneurship and side hustles by default in order to pursue my baseball dream. And so, you know, I got my license in real estate in 2010, the same year I got drafted, you know, I was 21 years old and I was like, well, you know, might as well go sell a couple of houses in the off season. And that should make me enough money to survive. 
during the season. And I'll just kind of do that until I get to the big leagues. Like that was my plan. Um, But what I didn't know was in 2010, real estate was really hard. You know, uh, everyone had just gotten wiped out from the Great Recession. Uh, Prices were ridiculously low, which was great if you're an investor, but terrible if you're an agent. And so, you know, I'd be selling a house that had just sold for $400,000 a couple of years before, and it was selling for like 75 grand. And uh, it was brand new. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like I had to work so hard to find a buyer for it because nobody had money. And, you know, even if I did find a buyer, I made like 2000 bucks. So I did not like being a realtor. I'll just say that. Um, especially because I knew I was finding really good deals. I was always a hustler and I just couldn't find buyers for them. So I'm like, dude, being a realtor sucks. So I ended up (laughs) kind of just stopping that after a couple of years, like I sold houses and I hated it, but I did it because baseball was, what I was trying to do. Well, fast forward, um, after three years, I get released by the Oakland A's, you know, I'm a 24 year old kid who's only wanted to play baseball his whole career. And, you know, basically Oakland says you're not good enough. And also during this time, I am engaged to my wife and she's going to college to become a teacher. So she wasn't going to make a lot of money. Um, she was just doing that out of purpose. And I'm like, dude, what the heck am I going to do with my life? And so, um, you know, we end up getting married and I'm like, all right, I got to provide for my wife now. And I still want to try and make it back in baseball. And so I ended up playing, you know, five more seasons in independent baseball, which is another professional league. And, um, during that time, our our first year of marriage, I'm like, you know, I just furnished our, our house or our our apartment and, you know, I spent like a thousand bucks on Craigslist furnishing it. And I'm like, dude, you know what? I bet you I could sell this furniture for a lot of money, like at least $3,000. Cause I got such good deals on it. And I was like, well, that's more money than I make right now. Um, you know, at the time I'd given up real estate and I was doing substitute teaching where I was making a hundred bucks a day as a substitute teacher. And, uh, I was like, well, I bet you if I just sold one couch, that would make more than a hundred bucks. Like, and that's way easier than sitting in this classroom for seven hours a day. So I said, you know, I'm gonna test it. So I ended up buying a couch and, and I brought it back to the apartment and Mindy was like, why did you buy another couch? We already have a couch. And I'm like, because I'm going to sell it. It's going to be a business. And she's like, <laughs> okay, whatever. Um, long story short, I ended up selling it and I made 200 bucks. I was like, wow, huh? that was so easy. Like flipping this couch. And so I was like, you know what? I'm all in. Remember I said everything I do, I'm all in. So whether it was baseball or business or whatever else, I'm like, I'm all in. So Um, I ended up renting a storage unit. I bought a truck on Craigslist for like $1,500. I was like, I'm buying every couch I see all the furniture and I'm flipping this stuff. And so that was like my first real business because I don't count being a realtor because I hated that, um, that I was like passionate about. I'm like, I'm gonna build this. And so, you know, the first month I made a thousand bucks. Then the next month I made 2000 I started to get the hang of it. I made 4,000. Then eventually I made 8,000 bucks and then we're talking net. I was like, dude, this is crazy. Like I'm making $8,000 a month. I'm working like three or four hours a day. It's nothing crazy. I sit at home and just chill. And then when a good deal comes, I just go pick up the couch and clean it up a little bit and just go deliver it when it's somebody wants it. Like it's the easiest business ever. And you know, that was my first successful entrepreneur journey. And to be truthful, um, I thought we were rich. I mean, like I was 24 years old. 
um, married, balling. I'm like, dude, like all my baseball buddies, I was still playing and, you know, I was still making, you know, $7,000 a year doing that. I was like, bro, guys, sure. I'm doing this thing like flipping furniture where I make $8,000 a month. They thought I was like the man. So, you know, I do that. But uh, after can, a year, can, of I, can that, I ask you? Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Because okay. uh, I love this part of the entrepreneurial story. And, and do you remember how it felt when you had your first 10 grand in the bank? Where you're like, dude, I got 10, like the, that, that five, that five digit. Do you remember yeah. like how good that felt? Yeah, that actually leads to what happened next. So, you know, I ended up making this money and I was saving up. And then, you know, I spend a lot of it during the season because we didn't make any money during the season. Sure. But, um, you know, the following year, we're on our one year anniversary and, you know, I'm praying and I'm like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, I thought it was playing baseball. That ain't it. Um, like I'm making money flipping couches, but I'm not going to do this the rest of my life. Like there's gotta be something else. And I remember him just kind of whispering to me that like real estate was going to be it. And I was like, real estate. I hate real estate. This like, I suck at this. It's terrible. And you know, I kid you not within an hour, I see a TV commercial like, Hey, you want to learn how to flip houses with no money? any of this stuff, um, you know, come to our free seminar. And I was like, that's a scam. And, you know, I, I dismissed it. And I just felt something in me calling me to look more into it. And so I was like, you know what? What if it's not a scam? What if you can actually do real estate without any money? I was like, I'm just going to Google it. So I Google it and I start finding all these books and things on private money and hard money and wholesaling and all this stuff. And I'm like, dude, if I find a good deal, I can actually go make a lot of money just by finding good deals. I was like, I'm doing it. So I told my wife, you know, we're on our one year anniversary. I'm like, babe, I'm getting back into real estate. Um, but this time we're going to flip houses. And she's like, okay. I was like, okay, here's the thing though. Um, I'm going to have to max out our credit cards to do this. <laughs> At the time we had saved up $10,000. Funny you mentioned oh! that. That was, that was oh. the exact amount of money we had in the bank. And I was like, 10,000 is like, it's good for us. Like we, it's a good cushion. Like yeah, yeah. we got reserves. We're feeling good. Um, cause we we're super frugal still. And, um, but I was like, I, I'm going to need like $50,000 to go get the down payment and renovate that. Like we don't have enough. And I was like, I don't know anyone with $50,000. Like I'm just going to max out credit cards and get there. So I applied for all the credit cards in my name and her name. And I got, pretty much like $50,000. I was like, cool. So I ended up doing a balance transfer and I get all of it just maxed out. My credit score dropped to wow. like 500. Her credit score dropped wow. to like 500, but we had 50K liquid. And I was like, tight, let's do this. So within like a month or two, I ended up finding our first deal. Freaking put the down payment on, get a 12% interest, four, four point hard money loan to buy this uh, first deal. And, um, it was worth it. We ended up selling it um, in a couple of months and making $25,000. And I was like, oh. it's a wrap. I am flipping houses. If I could flip just like 10 of these a year, I'm making a quarter mil and I'm good. And that was my goal. I was like, dude, just, just quarter mil, I'm good. And uh, you know, I ended up flipping five that first year. The next year, I flipped 20. Um, the year after, I flipped 50. And then the year after that, I flipped 150. And we wow. just been... 
you know, cranking flips ever since. And then, you know, eventually that led to, you know, social media and new businesses and education and tax companies and all this other stuff. That's amazing, man. I love that entrepreneurial story. I always tell people that the, the first 10 grand that nothing tastes as sweet as the first 10 grand, but cause yeah. that's cause you're going from zero, right? Like it's exponentially bigger than zero. Right. And especially like typically when you put the first 10 grand in the bank, you're, you're probably living off two grand a month or something really small. Right. So that's, yep. that's a real big number. Um, that's amazing, man. So let me ask a question. Um, you know, and, and I guess when you were taking that risk, right. Cause what I, what I just heard was, I mean, obviously you didn't have a ton to lose, right? I mean, I mean, that's one of the cool things with zero to 10 grand that the floor is not too far below, right? Yeah. Um, to go and like, you know, leverage yourself five X to go take that chance. Obviously like that, did, were you freaked out or were you scared or were you, were you just like, no, I, I got this. Like, like tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, people ask about that all the time. And they're like, first off, what did your wife think? Like beyond what you were thinking. And I was like, honestly, like my wife, just, she supported it. Like she believed in what I was doing. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier about being great. Even though I was young, I hadn't accomplished a lot. My wife did know that when I said I was going to do something, I was going to do it. And I was all in. And so, um, you know, with this, she saw me studying. She saw, saw me like, watching podcasts and all these things back then. And I was like fully in, I'm like, I have to learn how to become a great real estate investor. And, um, by the time it came to go buy that first deal and max out the cards, um, she had seen all the work I put up to that point. And so when I wanted to do it, she's like, yeah, like let's roll. And honestly too, to your point, which you mentioned, like I had nothing to lose. And this is the thing I see a lot of you know, broke people struggle with. They're like, dude, I got no money. Like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, go get credit. Freaking, it's not hard. There's lots of ways to get credit or raise money. And they're like, oh, but then I'm gonna be in debt. I'm gonna do this. And I'm like, okay, like at the end Guess of the day, so? <laughs> everyone's in debt. Like freaking, you know how much debt I'm in with all the real estate I own? Like tens of millions. Like I want to be hundreds of millions in debt, you know? And you know, I'm like, it, there's no difference between a credit card, a mortgage, a student loan. It's debt. It's all the same crap. Like, are you using it to make more money? That's the question. Right. And, you know, when I looked at it, I was like, look, worst case scenario, this all flops and I'm totally wrong. And like, I'm going bankrupt. And at that point, whatever, two years from then, I'll recover and I'll start again. It is what it is. But if I just stay on my current path and do nothing, then there's no chance for any upside, right? But with this path, if I am right, the upside is life-changing. And so like the risk versus the reward, to me, it yep. just made like no, I'm like, dude, the risk is so minuscule compared to the reward that why even, like this isn't even a choice. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and supply and demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. <laughs> Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million-dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. 
from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius Mishazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now, and let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, from canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of the sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. Oh, total no-brainer. So it's funny. I was just before our call, my wife's uh, cousin calls me. and He's graduating college next month, and he's taking a job in New York City. And I had a conversation with him because he comes from a, a – pretty well-to-do family and he has a lot of options right and um he's like you know a lot of my friends are going to work on wall street and this that, and the other and he doesn't know what he wants to do and i said hey man listen this is really simple when you're in your 20s do whatever the hell you want take as big of risks try everything you can try because your 20s is when you have the the, the ability to make big mistakes mm-hmm. and then recover from it you don't want to take the safe path now Now's the time. I mean, you don't want to hear what I really tell people. I had a lot of I had a lot of activities that are high risk into that. <laughs> That's what I tell most 20 years. I'm like, go do all, all the risky stuff. Go travel. Go hook up with a bunch of people. Go have the best <laughs> nights of your life. I, I do. I swear to God. I'm like, your 20s mm-hmm. is when you go do that. Mm-hmm. Go t- go start companies. Go fail companies. You know, I was yep. 25 years old. I built built my first company that ended up being number 40 in the Inc. 5000 when I was 25. Okay? Wow. And and I was, dude, I had, when you were just telling your story earlier, I'm like, no, you're telling me my life back to me. When I was in my 20s, I was like side hustling like crazy to be an entrepreneur. This is before the word side hustle even existed. Yeah. You know, this is like 20 years ago. So 
I think what you did was the right thing. I think where people, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this for young people. I think that a lot of young people, they are brought up around risk averse parents because the reality is this. Most people are reckless with money or they're risk averse or a combination thereof, right? That's like the average human out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what your upbringing was. I was brought up with an entrepreneur. So I saw someone being an entrepreneur and taking risks. And I was like, Oh, I'm like, I can't, I can't hold down a job. Right. Like, like I can't, I don't want to be told what to do. So for me, that seemed pretty natural. So what do you think? What do you think like young folks, younger entrepreneur entrepreneurs, like what advice do you have for them? You being someone that a took a lot of risk in sports as I see, I see the correlation. You're an, an achiever. You're an athlete, Right. You were taking risks. Dude, working for 7K a year is, uh, just so we're clear, everybody, that's like 600 bucks a month on a, a, a little lower, actually, right? Yeah. So like, that's like a really expensive internship. Yep. Um, but you were doing it to follow your dreams. So you were, you were, it sounds like you're a risk taker at heart. You just applied it in these different ways. But what's your advice for young folks or people that are, that are afraid? Like, what are your thoughts around them taking those chances? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm very risk um, taking, even to this day, right? Um, what I will say is the more I've studied it, the more like I've realized parents and how you're raised play a big role in this. Right. Like, sure. Um, you know, the more I study about how like kids, uh, your first 10 years of life are really imprinted on. And so it's like, as a dad now, it makes me like, man, I got to really be there those first 10 years to instill, the beliefs and values and things that I want them to have, um, for the rest sure. of their lives. But, uh, yeah, my parents, it's interesting because they, they were both entrepreneurs. My, my dad owned a convenience store and my mom was a realtor. That's why I ended up a realtor just because I was like, Oh, well mm. she works when she wants. Cool. Um, but they both lost it all during the great recession. My mom pretty much lost wow. all of her clients. They lost rental properties. We lost the home that we grew up in. Um, my dad lost his store and, you know, in 2010, when I became, you know, a working adult out of college, um, their mindset was drastically different. We were in a totally different world. Um, they did not like entrepreneurship. Um, they were looking mm. for normal jobs that were safe and secure. I remember my mom would tell me, she's like, look, if, if baseball doesn't work out, you need to go work for the government, like get a government job. That's like the Ooh. safest job ever. And at the time I was like, whatever, I'm, I'm going to make it in baseball. It doesn't matter. Um, but you know, like I've never had a real job. Like I just was always an entrepreneur and out, out of default because I was a baseball player. But sure. what I will say is like, you know, life is short, man. <laughs> you know, like, uh, the, the older you get, the harder it is to take a risk. So yeah. once you got a spouse, you got kids, it be, it gets harder and harder to keep taking risks and you have less time to recover from a mistake. So now if you're young, like you literally have no excuse for not taking risk. If you're scared now, you will be scared 10 years from now. But the only difference is you'll have 10 years of regret built up, which will then paralyze you even more, which will then just make you have more depression and all these other things of, man, I wish I would have did this. Right. So, yep. you know, even when I was playing baseball, I remember I was always taking risk, like tinkering with my swing, trying to figure out like, Hey, is this the best way to swing? Like, what if there's a better way that can unlock more power and consistency and like take me to the next level? Well, I want to test it and figure out if there is, I'm not satisfied just 
with the status quo. Because if the status quo was good enough, I'd be where I want to be, which I wasn't. So I'm obviously missing a piece and I got a test to find it out. And so, you know, if you're trying to build a business, um, number one, you're going to take risk. You're going to test things. You are going to fail. And that is just all part of the process of finding success. Yeah, I love it, man. You just reminded me of three different things. Uh, first of all, there's a great book. There's two books. One, Psychology Money by Morgan Housel. And then the other book is Good Money by Ken Honda. And he talks about it. And Ken Honda's great mo- uh, It's or Happy Money, excuse me, by Ken Honda. Uh, he was on, uh, I found him. He was on um, School of Greatness with uh, Lewis Houses we were talking about earlier. And, um, you know, he talks about what you just talked about, which is as people age, their risk tolerance, you know, well, let's take this back. As people make more money, then they can become afraid to lose the money because you have something to lose. You're like, oh, if you like, if you think you're risk averse when you don't have anything, imagine if you have a lot. And uh, we interviewed James Altucher on the show last week, two weeks ago, and James and I were talking about this, and he said, look, like, there's three different skill sets around money: making money, investing money, and keeping money, right? And th- and 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 they're all three different things. So there's plenty of people that are good at making the money. The next two are the hard part, keeping it and investing it so that you can keep it, right? And so I think that that kind of segues into, you know, your mission, which I love, man. We were talking about this earlier. I'm, I'm, I'm a core value-driven, mission-driven entrepreneur. My last business, our mission was to help 1 million people gain and retain home ownership. And it took us nine years and four months to do it. And we hit our millionth person literally in August. Um, so wow, 1 million of our, of our customers. Yeah, we did a, 1 million loans through my business because I was a large mortgage servicer and lender Mm. and they hit 1 million. It took 10 years to do that. So I'm a big mission guy. I learned it from Simon Sinek directly. Start with why guy met him 14 years ago. And that was my introduction to mission. So your mission is to help people become wealthy without sacrificing everything to do it. What what does that mean? Tell us, walk us through that. Where'd you come up with that? What's that mean? What are you trying to do with that? Yeah, it's funny. I've been, um, Lewis, since we're talking about him, just wrote a a new book. Um, and he talks about like having just like your mission and, and his is to basically like help a million people. Um, I forget the exact wording, but, um, you know, it's, it's this really big mission. Actually it might be a hundred million people. I can't remember, but, um, yeah, I've thought a lot about the mission and you know, how all of that ties into like the bigger purpose of why I'm even here on this earth. So, you know, to backtrack a little bit, um, I wrote a book called the wealthy way. And that's obviously what the podcast is called. You know, the book came out um, four or five months ago and it's it's been a bestseller and it's doing great. And the reason I wrote the book was because, you know, I've been running all these businesses. I've been making all this content. Um, I've done a lot of different things in my life with just lots of different things. Um, but probably the thing that I'm most proud of and that people ask about is they're like, Ryan, it looks like, you know, just because you show it on social media, like, you know, your relationship with your, your wife and your kids is great. Um, like I've always told people, I'm like, I don't work weekends. Um, I'm home by, I leave the office every day at five o'clock. I golf every Friday and my businesses and my social media and everything continues to scale and explode. Um, despite working less than the competition and I'm by no means like retired. I didn't have a huge exit or anything. Like I'm in the, you know, the, the early stages of my career. Um, and they're like, but, and, and also too, like you take care of your health, you know, you're, you're going to church, you guys hold these weekly Bible studies. How the heck do you do all of it? You know, in the way that you're describing. And I was like, man, that's a, 
very tough question to answer. There's a lot that goes into it with your schedule and your goals and your priority and, you know, all these different things. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to write a book um, detailing exactly how I do it. And so that's what I did. Um, I ended up actually making a course first called Wealth Builder Academy that um, I gave for free. You know, like we have education companies, our education companies, an eight figure business. And like I could have sold it and did fine. But I was like, I just really want people to understand this message that life is so much more than money. You know, most people follow me because they want to learn how to make money and run their business or invest in real estate. And, and that's great. But like, why? What's the point of making more money? Right. And and a lot of people will tell you, oh, well, it's to take care of my family, to to do these things. And I'm like, okay, so that's the real goal, right? Like, how much money do you really need to, to accomplish that goal? You know, do you, do you need a $10 million business like to really do that? Would your family rather have more of you today than, you know, saying, hey, I'm going to sacrifice the next 10 years so we don't have to do any of this, you know, for the rest of our lives. And I just don't believe that. Like, I believe that you can build really successful businesses while still having massive success in your family, you know, while still being strong in your faith and serving, um, while still maintaining great health and just having this well-rounded life. Um, and so that's what The Wealthy was all about. It was breaking down how, you know, at 33, I've been able to do all of that. Um, and, you know, just like all the way from schedule to how we set goals to, um, you know, how I run businesses, skills like delegating, you know, principles like 80-20 rules, principles like um, Parkinson's law with compressing time. And so uh, it's, it's been a really, like, I would say it's more of a, you know, there's a lot of tactical things, but it's it's really to help you start thinking different. Um, and And part of it is, as I've gotten older in business, you know, we were talking beforehand about um, just different masterminds and organizations. But, you know, I'm in a ton of masterminds. I'm in real estate masterminds, social media masterminds, you know, big business masterminds like YPO. And like the common theme I see amongst all successful entrepreneurs, not all, but majority, is they got jacked up lives. Like they're having yeah. extreme success. Um, in business, no doubt about it, but they're on their second marriage, their third marriage, they're out of shape and fat, you know, they, the kids don't know them. They have no faith whatsoever. And I'm like, dude, I would never in a million years trade lives with you. You know, uh, like yep. your life sucks truthfully. And so <sighs> the hard part is when everyone tells you you're the best and you're so great. And then you really feel like you're dead inside because everything else around your life sucks, um, it becomes a problem. So I'm trying to normalize like the pursuit of, you know, just being wealthy in all areas of life, not just business. Oh, I love that, man. Um, we were talking earlier about a, a friend of mine, uh, David Osborne, who, who we, he talks about the seven gardens of wealth, right? Which is what I'm hearing you talk about. And one of which is financial wealth, right? But there's so many more emotional wealth, family wealth, friends wealth. Um, I have a good friend. Do you know John Vroman, Front Row Dads? You know those I don't guys? know. No. You should check that. You, you'd love them. Um, okay. But there's a lot of really inter interesting folks that are in Front Row Dads. A lot of people you probably know. And uh, he's a great friend of mine. Um, and his whole thing is, you know, 
business, you know, it's basically family men who have businesses, not businessmen who have families, right? And it's around this idea of putting the family first. And I'm a person, you know, I'm a little bit older than you are. Um, and I'm a person that did it the old way, which has spent the first 10 years of my family life, you know, probably less than that, maybe more like, yeah, no, 10 years. Cause I was 2019 was when I exited my business grinding, you know, but slowly like, you know, and I, I'll tell you what does it. The, one of the downsides of having a 10, 12 year economic run like we did is you, when you have a big run like that, everyone's negative habits get reinforced, right? Oh, Hey, you're a genius. You haven't had a recession to punch you across your fucking face <laughs> yeah. to show you that you aren't that, you know, like, dude, there's all the dead bodies are hidden, you know, because everyone's a genius. I joked about this in Tiger 21. I'm like, everyone's smart. No one's stupid. If you buy something, it just goes up in value because that's just how it is. Right. <laughs> um, and and so we haven't and people's memories are very short. We're, we're programmed to forget bad stuff. Right. And so it, I, I did what you did. But mine came the other way, which was I was working six days a week obsessing about work. And then I realized when I lost a $10 million company, no matter how hard I worked, it didn't make it better. And I gave up all these weekends. I'm like, I can't give those back. And so I said, I'm not working weekends ever. I'm taking vacations. That was my first thing I did. Now I still worked a lot, but I said, yeah, 50 hours is good. I can put in 50 hours a week. I'm fine. When people tell me they work a hundred hours a week and brag about that, I'm like, that's not, I would never brag about that. That sounds terrible. You know, but I see there's a no correlation between working harder and making more money. There's none. My friends that have the most to make the most work probably the least. Oh, um, yeah. And so, and, and when you see that, you're like, whoa, like that's an eye opener. When you see people crushing it who don't work that much and you're like, uh, this is not what I was taught. I was taught work hard, you know, because I was, I don't, I always had a great work ethic. So what do you think about that? Like, why do you think it is that you're able to have success in all these different areas and that actually drives more success in your business life? You know, I think, one, I mean, there's lots of reasons, right? So, I mean, number one, when you're fulfilled in the other areas of your life, it's going to make business better, right? When I don't have to worry about my wife being pissed at me every night, you know, or, you know, whether I miss my kid's baseball game or whatever, or, you know, I have to worry about, you know, I feel like crap because I just didn't sleep last night or uh, I'm just feeling out of shape and sluggish. Like, I will inevitably perform better in business when all those other things are taken care of. So that's number yeah. one. Um, number two, I think that, you know, when you're really limiting yourself, it's actually a good thing, right? Like if, and this goes back to Parkinson's law. And for those who don't know what it is, basically, if you give yourself a certain amount of time to do something, that's exactly the amount of time you'll take. So if you back, back when we would get assigned stuff in school, it's like, Hey, this is due next Thursday. What do you do? Wednesday night. You, you just cram it right. and get it done, and then you turn it in Thursday, even though you had a whole week to do it, right? But if they would have told you, hey, this is due tomorrow, guess what? You would have got it done tonight if you're a good student, and you would have just got it done. And so what I always say is like, look, this is my schedule. I am working Monday to Thursday, you know, 9 to 5. That's it. Friday, I'm golfing, right? Saturday, I'm hanging out with the fam. And whatever gets done, gets done. Now, me as a competitive person who wants to be great, I got a lot of ambition and things I want to get done. But now I think about it through a different lens. I'm like, well, dang, if we're going to launch this new company and we're going to have this event and I got this guest on the podcast and I got, you know, this thing we're doing and I got this important meeting, 
like you start to make decisions much better and you start to trust people more because you're like, look, at the end of the day, for me to do all of this, I need to trust other people to do it, right? I need sure. to figure out what I absolutely have to do that no one else can do and then delegate the rest. And so that's basically where it's at now. It's like everything is very efficient where it's like, I don't want to be in a meeting. I don't want to be bothered. Let everyone else handle that. Hit me up if you need me, right? And I'll just do the things that I know I have to do, right? There's no AI Ryan right now that can do my podcast yet. <laughs> but yes. maybe at some <laughs> point, right? Like I won't even have to do the podcast. I'm be like, dude, we know exactly what Ryan would say. And like, who knows, right? So for now, I do exactly like what I only can do. Um, so I think you become more efficient when you place limitations on yourself. Don't think of limitations as like governors, but they're, they're, it makes you more innovative. Um, when people know they have 80 hours to accomplish a task, guess what? They're like, well, if I don't work 80 hours, I guess I didn't work hard. So I need to like do busy work. And I'm like, dude, that ain't it. Um, the other thing is with rest, right? Like, so I'm a Christian. Um, I talk about my faith a lot in business and, you know, God told us to rest and, you know, no matter what you believe, okay, like we all ended up on this earth some way, somehow, and we've got to answer about what's going to happen when our time's up. Right. But what I know is God told us that we need to rest. That's why he created the Sabbath. And maybe you don't need to rest a whole weekend, but definitely one day a week. And I don't think that God told us to rest because he just thought it was like some good idea. He's like, I think you guys need it because you idiot humans are going to just keep going every day nonstop. And you're going to actually be worse off for it. You know, I I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the 30 hours a week I work, are the most efficient 30 hours that like, you know, I could possibly work and probably in the 0.01% of the world for how efficient it is. Um, and then I would say like the, the, the 80 hour a week people, they don't even get done what I get done in 30 hours, right? They might get done freaking 10% of it, right? So it's just like, at the end of the day, I think my 30 hours are efficient because I have proper rest. If I was just tired and sluggish and going through the motions and every day felt like Groundhog's Day, I would be like, oh man, dude, uh, I'm just not as good. Like I'm not in it today. Versus when I take a whole weekend off, I'm like, I'm itching to get back in the office. I'm like, hey, that was cool. Time with the fam was great, but I'm ready to go conquer now. I love it, man. So let me ask you a question because you've made this transition to from, you know, couch flipping baseball to couch flipping to real estate flipping to building a portfolio real estate. Obviously, you've done a lot of work um, there. I, I found it pretty fascinating. And myself being a person that literally I would said, uh, dude, my analog Rolodex is ridiculous. Digital was like non-existent, right? So I was like, no audience, nothing, no nobody. I launched a book that I spent fifteen hundred hours on my book launch, and and they're like, you you need an audience here. So I'm like, I don't know how to get one, so I'm just gonna go work my my. I'm gonna go do it the old school way, um, and it was successful, but but it was you know not as successful as it would have been had I an audience. And I said, man, I need to build an audience, and um and then I went and started messing around in in the digital world. And my introduction to it was Clubhouse, right? Mm. So this is like like early t- 2001 or 21, excuse me, when, when Clubhouse was exploding 
And I get in there and everyone knows each other. I mean, it was like a reunion of all these digital creators all just like hanging out and, you know, half of them, I think we're making up how much money they make and lying. It was like, I was like, this is like, yeah. I was like seven figure this and eight figure that. I was like, I'm like, let me go look at this person's business. I'm like, I don't think they, and I start talking to them about business. And I'm a person that I, I had a business with a thousand W2 employees that I built from the ground up. So I'm like, I know how to build a company. It was a $200 million company I built and I'm, and I bootstrapped that thing. Right. So I'm like, well, let's talk business then. And, yeah. and then I'm talking like, they don't know business. Um, yeah. So I thought it was kind of funny, but, but I was like, man, there's, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of fake. And then obviously there's some real in there, but um, it was, it was interesting to see the digital world. I'm like, man, this is a whole different world. And it's such a gap between the analog and the digital. Like, you've been so successful being able to ride both, you know, straddle both fences so tell us, like, I'd love to hear about this because I think that there's a huge movement and I think it's, you'd be naive to think that digital is not the future, right? It's going to all be digital. Some people will maybe want everything to be digital. I don't think that's fully realistic, but things are all moving digital. It's amazing to just see how quickly, you know, using Moore's law every 18 months, we're like doubling in speed. And you see this happening where more and more stuff is being done digitally, being done online. Now it's being done on the blockchain. Now it's being done, you know, in the virtual worlds. And now we have AI and ChatGPT and all this stuff. Like that is, I mean, some of it blows your mind because you're like, how do you even keep up with it? But how did you tra- successfully transition into the digital world? Love to hear about that. Yeah, man, I am such a big fan of digital and tech and um, big believer in Moore's law as well. I mean, like I, I geek out over that. So, like I'm not, a, I'm not a tech guy. Like I'm a big vision guy. So like tech responds to like when I see chat GPT and just like each iteration of it, I'm like, holy crap. You know, like I'm a big believer that um, real estate and the blockchain are going to just merge boom um, here yeah. at some point and be massive. And like when I look at like, hey, what what could make me a billionaire? It's like having digital presence and big ideas like that. Merge those and you're in. Um, you know, I have an NFT project called Tykes where uh, really like that's the focus and um, so like I've already immersed myself into, uh, that side of the game as, as far as business goes, but, um, nice. as far as social media goes, you know, I think that's the precursor to, um, having great success digitally and anything, right? Like most of these digital businesses and things require influence and being able to get attention. And, you know, I've heard the analogy that, you know, attention is the new oil and like, it's the most valuable resource, um, in the world. And I agree. Um, somebody explained it to me like this, and this is not what got me started. But as I was going through it, it made me like even more encouraged. But they were like, look, you know, obviously the U.S. dollar, they can just keep printing it. Right? It is what it is. Um, real estate, we like to say is scarce. But at the end of the day, like there's lots of land we can keep building and growing new cities and just expanding and all that stuff. Um, but the one thing that's fixed in everyone's life is the 24 hours. That, that that's mm. the only thing we we all have 24 hours that is the only truly fixed thing i don't care about what people say about bitcoin and everything else it's the 24 hours that's the fixed thing and you know we assume everyone's gonna have to sleep a certain amount of time um we assume everyone's gonna have to work um a certain amount of time per day and so like there's this fixed amount of time that people have for discretionary um attention is what I would call it, like to go actually spend and consume content of their choice. And I use content broadly because anything that you're going to consume with your free time, in my opinion, is content. So, you know, 
I'm not I'm not competing with just other podcasts. I'm competing with Netflix, with Disney, with Facebook, with you know the sports game. Like that, that's all competition for these hours that um, are available. And so, you know, if you want to say like people have four hours a day to spend, you know, discretionary, um, that's fixed, and that's why so many companies are spending so much money on content creators, creating original content, all this stuff. And I see that trend just continuing. I I think every company is going to have some kind of studio digital space. Like they're going to have to. Um, So long-term, I think it's super important. Now, why did I get into it? How did that happen? Well, you know, I was flipping houses and I was very successful at that. That's how I became a millionaire. And, you know, I'm sitting there during the pandemic. This is back in 2020 um, locked up for no reason really. And just like, what am I going to do with my business and my life? Like I got like 50 house flips right now. And if things all go South, <laughs> like I'm going under, right? Like that is what it is. And I'm like, well, I guess, I mean, I can't go outside and I can't go to the office and I can't go on appointments and people don't even want to sell their house right now because nobody knows what's going on. Like I literally have nothing to do. So what should I do? And, you know, I just remember sitting there online and I started watching YouTube. At the time, I never watched YouTube, really. I just was like, well, I got nothing else to do. Let's see what's going on. And um, I had some people tell me, they were like, bro, you should create YouTubes. Like, you could make good content. You, you got a lot to say and everything else. And I was like, who are, like, who do you even like watching? Like, I didn't even know watching YouTube was like a thing. I thought you just go there to learn how to tie a tie or whatever. <laughs> like I didn't know people watched it as like content for consumption. Yeah, TV. Yeah. Right. And so they're like, oh, well, go watch um, this guy, Graham Stefan and meet Kevin and all these other guys who are now my friends. But uh, I'm like, okay, I'll go watch them. Let me go see. Like, I wonder what these guys are doing. And I'm thinking in my mind, they're like these big business guys. But then, you know, it turns out they're young guys like me. I'm like, okay, like, I wonder what kind of business they're running. Then I realized they're not even really running businesses. Their business is content. And I was like, wait, this is the real estate guy. And he has like six homes. I don't get it. Like, this is where everyone gets their information from. This makes no sense. Right. And, you know, I was like, okay, hold on. If, if these guys can do it, no shade to them because they're ultra successful at what they do. But like, there's no way I can't not do this. Like, so... You know, I ended up um, starting to consume their stuff and I saw how much they were made. Like they did posts. They were like, yeah, you know, I make $300,000 a month off YouTube, just YouTube. I, I get AdSense wow. and I get sponsors. I was like, he makes $300,000 a month net with no employees, no risk from his house, making a 10 minute video. I was like, I'm in the wrong it's business. Insane. I was like, I'm in the yeah. wrong business. <laughs> like I, I yeah. seriously spend so much time finding a deal convincing someone to sell it to me for a low price. Then I got to go raise capital, go fix it up, go list it. It takes me five months to finally get paid. And granted, I'll get paid good as long as the market stays good. And I'm just like, I'm in the wrong business. And so, you know, it was during that time I, uh, I was like, screw it. I am going to create content. This is the future. This It makes no sense not to do this. And so, um, yeah, during the pandemic, I, I got on TikTok. No entrepreneurs were on TikTok at the time other than Gary Vee. 
Like nobody knew right. what it was. Gary V was like, TikTok's going to be big. TikTok's going to be big. And I was like, you know what? I think it's going to be big. Like I'm, I'm on it right now and it's addicting. And so I was like, I'm going to just learn how to dominate this like style of content, but for entrepreneurs. So I got on TikTok. I started making two a day every day by myself. Um, I would edit it on the TikTok app on my phone, post it. And, you know, in a couple of months, I had a few hundred thousand followers. I was like, this is nuts. Wow. And then I got on YouTube um, in May of that year. And I was like, I'm going to make videos. I get it. Like I took Graham's course. I took Kevin's course. Like I, I just under, once I understood there was a blueprint to it, I was like, oh, okay. Like they, they make the, the, the thumbnail and the title are super important, right? Like the idea is super important. And you know, you need this during the video and that during the video. And that's how you're going to grow. I was like, cool. So I just started making YouTube videos and then you know, it all just kind of scaled from there. Eventually started a podcast and, you know, got on all the platforms. And to this point, I think across everything, I've got 2 million followers. And I think, you know, we're close to a billion views online in just three years. Wow. And so, you know, (laughs) I've learned a lot about media and like, I knew it was going to be big and important when I started. And now, you know, three years later, I'm like, holy crap, everyone needs to do media um, because I just look at the opportunities I'm presented on a daily basis with like raising capital, new business opportunities. You know, I make a post about uh, like one of my coaching programs or an event and it like literally is like a slot machine. Like I make the post and then money hits the bank and I'm just like, this is oh. freaking, it's like imaginary money. It's crazy. That's insane, man. So for, for new content, I know we're almost near the end of the show here and I want to respect your time. So for, if you were starting today, what would be the, like, if you were to start doing content this moment, obviously it's a new moment in time. There's a lot more content creators. What would you, what would you do right now? Well, I think there's two things, right? So, you know, I'm assuming this is for entrepreneurs. Um, sure. Specifically. Um, the one thing I think about with content is, you got to always think about the person watching it in mind. Okay. So I need to not think about my own agenda and what like I want to do. I need to say, Hey, for the people watching my content, what is it they want to see? Right. What are the problems that they have? How can I help them better their lives? And if I can do those things, I'm going to get views because I'm creating valuable, valuable content, but I'm also going to have a pulse on the products and services that they need. And I'm going to be able to capitalize on that if I'm a good entrepreneur. And so like, that's why I keep starting new businesses because I just keep seeing the need from my audience. Like they tell me, I literally get the DMs and they're just like, bro, like, what do I do here? What do I do here? I can't do this. I can't do that. Anytime that's, I'm like, okay, the market's not addressing this. I need to do it. So like, you know, like one of the first things we did was start a CPA firm. Now we have hundreds of clients called TrueBooks. And, you know, it's for real estate investors and small business owners. And like that business year over year has been tripling. And like, it's been just crazy the amount of growth it has. And I literally like never talk about it. It's just people know I have it and they just keep signing up. We have $0 in marketing spend the last three years to grow it to a multi seven figure company, soon to be eight figures. So, you know, and and that's a recurring revenue business. Like the, the clients are super sticky, which is great. Um, like another one I just started is called Pineda Media. So, you know, basically I knew that every entrepreneur 
is who's listening to this. Like, but by, by, by at this point, you're like, yeah, I need content. And the problem is most don't know where to begin. It's the same question you just asked. You're like, where do you begin? And I'm like, oh my gosh, well, there's so much that goes into it, right? Like I just explained a little bit about knowing who's watching, but you need to know, hey, what am I trying to establish myself as the expert in? Hey, like how often am I willing to post? What platforms, you know, what's the strategy? Should I go broad or niche? Like there's all these different things that play a role into going viral and establishing yourself as um, an authority. And so basically I was like, you know what? We'll just do it for them. Like it's <laughs> like at the end of the day, it, there's such a huge demand for it. So, you know, basically like we launched this new company where now we'll post for you. We'll literally hop on a Zoom with you and film on the Zoom and coach you through the filming session. We'll take all the raw footage, edit it, post it, everything, full service. Um, and then we have an education platform that is three calls a week to help you just get better and better at um, just learning the you know, the, the science behind creating content. And, you know, it's like, I didn't think I would ever start that business in a million years, you know? Um, but it's like, it's such a huge demand. And it's like, once again, that's a recurring revenue business. Like, I think that that business could be an eight, I think that could be a million dollar a month recurring revenue business. Wow. That's amazing, man. Dude, you're just crushing it. I love it, man. And I love the just the the pivoting and the iterations and so, solving a lot of problems. That's really what I'm hearing is that you're just a guy that really cares about solving problems and helping people. And um, and the the results are speaking for themselves, man. So, dude, keep crushing it. I love I love everything you're doing, Ryan. It's cool to hear and cr- cool to learn more. Seriously. Yeah, bro. No, it means a uh, lot, and I'm I'm glad we got to connect. Definitely, definitely. Um, so, um. If people want to learn more, I mean, there's a lot of different places, a lot of different reasons to hook to, to hit you up. What would be the best way for people to connect to learn more about the different projects that you're working on or the different businesses? Uh, lay it out there. We'll put it in the show notes. Make sure that folks can connect with you and your teams, and um, we'll get we'll get you out of here, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you go to RyanPineda.com, you can see all my businesses and all that stuff. Um, if you go to WealthyWay.com, we have a ton of free stuff. Like we have um, a quiz you can see. Um, take to see if you're living the wealthy way and you know, what areas of your life you're deficient in, what are your strengths where you can get improvement. We got free courses on there. All my podcasts are on there. Um, so yeah, that, 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 uh, website's just like a ton of free stuff. We even created a software, um, for a daily planner so that you can, um, create a great morning routine and, um, track all of your goals and progress and stuff. So we got a lot of cool tools. Awesome. So we'll make sure guys check out wealthyway.com. Check out the book, the wealthy way, the podcast, the wealthy way yep. and com. Is that, is that what you said? RyanPineda.com? Yep. yep. All right, cool. Um, well, yeah, listen, everybody, what a blueprint for being a badass and creating greatness in the world. My man, Ryan here is just crushing it. And, um, so much to learn here for people that want to go out there and do the same. With that said, my man, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. Appreciate you so much gratitude from us at the greatness machine. You rocked it. Um, what we're going to do is anyone that wants to really learn more, go and check that out. We'll put, put all these links in the show notes until next time. Peace out, everybody. We love you. You are listening to the greatness machine and that's a wrap for today. Listen, if you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on. So that you don't miss any of our future episodes, we have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. 
leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode, you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.